0: Beloved Church, O God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm with the proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the Covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us, and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fierce depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy people, and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you in the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented into your divine arms by Apostle Arcadi, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May he be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. the return to the ancient path of goodness as apostle kadi had said numerously that the opportunity to find the ancient path of goodness is the opportunity to enter the kingdom of heaven through narrow gates which inscription are defined by the reigning teaching of jesus christ who came in the flesh matthew 7 verses 13 and 14 jesus said Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And as we have previously noted, not many are able to find the old way of good as the narrow gates and the reigning teaching of Christ. And according to Christ, many can't find the narrow gates in the reigning teaching of Christ due to their stiffness and ignorance. Because if they were to find it, they would revile it and consider it a heretical delusion, causing them to inherit eternal perdition. But those who humble their heart before God and become His disciple in order to enter through the narrow gate expressed in the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ, these people will inherit eternal life. That's why here for us was presented the teaching and the Church of the Lord Jesus as the narrow gates. And why are few able to find it? Because behind this is a particular price. The Church coincides to this quality of narrow gates. It is written, uh, she is tossed to and fro by fierce winds. This is the definition that God provides to the Church, who is a narrow gate, how religion looks at it, how this world looks upon it. But the Lord said, I will place the stone on your ruins, and on your foundation I will lay sapphires. So this Church that is tossed to and fro, He gave a promise. And we turn to the words of Apostle Paul as the foundation of our study. Who, according to the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was able to in short definitions sum up the contents of the order that is present in the teaching of Christ and will read it in an extended version or translation Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 through 2 therefore having sprinkled ourselves with the reigning teaching of Christ and being clothed in the armor of light that is laid in the rulership of this teaching let us build ourselves into the house of god because it is impossible not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward god the doctrine of baptisms of laying on of hands of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment so this is the interesting definition and it is not just the commentary of our pastor this is the explanation of pastor of this place of scripture because an incorrectly understood place of Scripture will define some to perdition and others to eternal life. Because people don't understand what it means to having left the the reigning teaching of Christ. And people leave. to They set it aside, they put it on the top shelf, they throw it away to go towards some kind of unknown perfection. Others understand the word to leave is To remain among ourselves, that then what we remain among ourselves, we can place into circulation the deposit of our salvation. Why is there such a difference that some leave it by throwing it away, others leave it by leaving it among themselves, laying it as a foundation? Because not everyone understands what first fruits are. First fruits or elementary is not something insignificant, not milk or something that is unnecessary. First fruits, elementary, it is the beginning, it is the root, it is the foundation. It is the rain and it is the rulership. How can this be left? This is necessary to lay as a foundation and these truths as Pastor has wrote, we ought to sprinkle ourselves. In order to sprinkle ourselves, we needed to build build a tabernacle. We needed to as a priest wash our wash our bodies, be clothed in royal garments, and to sprinkle all this in blood. How can we leave this? How can we remove this? How can we throw it away? That's why we defined, according to the mercy of God, through that which we have read by our Apostle, that elementary principles of Christ is the root, foundation, reign, and rulership. And to leave it means to begin to sprinkle ourselves, to lay as a foundation, in order to build ourselves into a holy home and a royal priesthood. In the image of the four rivers flowing from Eden for the nourishment, of the garden, which was a prototype of the four funda- fundamental and reigning teachings of Christ. This is that river that went out from Eden and was separated into four reigning teachings, each of which had in itself a triplicity of different functions, which total to the number 12. The one reigning teaching, which is divided into four teachings, doctrine of Baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And each of these teachings has triplicity. Twelve is the order of God that is present in the teaching of Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh. Jesus said, are there not twelve hours in the day? And he smiled. Well, what does this have to do with anything? What does number twelve have to do with anything? He says, think about it. Are there not twelve hours in the order of God, in the order of light? And we dwell in this order of light. In these truths which are the reigning teaching of jesus christ we have stopped to study the doctrine of baptisms when studying the doctrine of baptisms we've noted that it is one in the sense that all three baptisms immerse us in the death of the lord jesus but they perform different functions for example the main function that the death of christ is called to fulfill in water baptism is to separate a person from the world that lies and evil. The main function that the death of Christ and baptism in the Holy Spirit is called to fulfill is to separate us from the la- vain life of our fa- forefathers. And the main function of baptism in fire is called to the death of Jesus Christ, separate the old man from the new man, to separate the wise from the foolish. And this will never happen until we separate the old man from the new man. And when this happens, then at the doorstep of the weak, the foolish will say, My God, give us our oil. We didn't know that we were foolish virgins. But this will not happen until the wise in their heart and their essence separate their soul from their spirit, until our new man is not separated from the old man. And when this happens, only then in the Church of God there will be the separation between the foolish and the wise. Matthew 3, 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but it is he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In the purpose of each of the baptisms, apart from its main function, that separates one baptism from the other, there are another set of purposes that do not work without one another because they are found dependent on one another, and identify the authenticity of one another. We need to see in baptism not just different functions, but to see what unites them into one whole, and it is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we open in the death of the Lord Jesus, Christ and the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. But all of this is done in the death of the Lord Jesus. And each one participates in this death in order to illuminate certain qualities of either the Son or the Holy Spirit or the Father. Although all of them look like one another, but in each of the baptisms there is a certain character of God that is expressed, that desires to be expressed in man. In a certain format, as much as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, We have already studied the doctrine of water baptism and the doctrine of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Therefore, let us turn our attention to studying the doctrine of baptism in fire, which lay as a foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem, comprised of the third precious stone, Chalcedony. Revelation 21.19 The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The third Chalcedony. Baptism and fire, the third foundation, Chalcedony. And again, Luke 3:16. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptized you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The fire in the flickering of the precious and mysterious stone of Chalcedony which defines the atmosphere of the third foundation and the wall of the New Jerusalem, which we will explore, is the revelation of the Heavenly Father in which He reveals Himself in the name Fire. Matthew 28, verses 18-20, through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying to His disciples, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In this place, the Scriptures present not a functional order in the sequence of baptisms, but a hierarchical order in the sequence of the names of God, at the head of which stands the name of the Heavenly Father, from whom all three forms of baptism are called to be fulfilled. So when He said, I will baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where in the hierarchy there is first the father then the second son and then the holy spirit but this is the hierarchical order the functional order does not begin from the father in the beginning in water baptism where we uncover the son second baptism in the holy spirit where the holy spirit becomes the lord and ruler of our life in order to lead us with christ to the groom to christ and then with christ to lead us to baptism in fire in which we come and stand before the Father. So, the hierarchical order, God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the functional order of baptism of water, we are immersed in the Son, baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are immersed in the Holy Spirit, and baptism in fire, we are immersed into the God the Father. Speaking of baptism in fire, which, like baptism in the Holy Spirit, is called to come down to earth from heaven, Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Very important here to highlight three baptisms. The first baptism is full immersion into water. This next two, where a person does not is not present, only his magnificent one, Yahweh. He comes as a flood from heaven. This is the Holy Spirit who descends upon me as the river of God and baptism in the Holy Spirit, and this is the fire of God, which fully, as a river, comes upon me when I coincide to an altar or a sacrifice of a burnt offering. So in water baptism, I immersed in water, and baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire, something comes upon me from above and fully clothes me in the powers of this baptism. I came to send fire on the earth, So, baptism in fire, it comes from heaven. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, it comes from heaven. Christ knew fully well that the descent of the Holy Spirit as well as the descent of fire could be brought on earth only after His sacrificial death for His Church and His resurrection in which His Church will be justified before the Father, Romans 4.25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. In other words, all three types of baptisms are the imperishable inheritance prepared for the people for whom God imputed righteousness not by works, but by their faith in His words. And this kind of faith in His words is comprised of knowing who God is for us in Christ Jesus and what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And to have faith or believe means to call those things which do not exist as though they did, just like abraham had done abraham whom god had made the father of many nations it is written of him romans chapter 4 verses 13 and 17 for the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith the righteousness of faith as it is written i have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And so, all three baptisms, and in part baptism and fire, contain those powers that are called to separate us from what is earthly and corrupt and attach us to what is heavenly and imperishable. Here is the next image. What did we need to highlight for ourselves? That when God immerses us into water, either he in baptism in the holy spirit comes upon us as a river or in baptism in fire he comes upon us as his all-consuming fire he comes only upon the righteous he does not come in order to cleanse he comes upon that which is already pure first it is necessary for a person to become pure first there was a pure sacrifice that was taken and separated in order for it to become holy in order to then use it as a sacrifice the same thing here god had imputed to abraham as righteousness or he gave him righteousness therefore baptism in water when we do this we do not baptize so that on the bottom of the river or the pool or the water or wherever so that the sins remain in the water there is nothing that remains on the bottom of the water on a person during water baptism, there's only a seal placed, holy unto the Lord. This is my son, and his name is written. That can also be blotted out. We need to rewrite it on a white stone, in baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. Scripture says, I will give him a white stone, and upon this is a new name written. And it says, this person I proclaim before my God and before my angels. In the name of this kind of a person will never be blotted out of the book of life. So, during water baptism, a righteous, holy person is baptized in baptism in the Holy Spirit. God gives the Holy Spirit only to the righteous and pure. And when He covers us with His fire, with the fire of His all-consuming holy flame, He comes upon us only upon the righteous. Christ had to die, and Christ had to rise for what? For our justification. When Moses first came to the mountain of God called Horeb, he found out that the God of his fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and Jacob, is the God of fire, and he trembled and dared not look. Act 7:32. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and Moses trembled and dared not look. It was in the atmosphere of consuming fire, though so God spoke in this atmosphere of consuming fire from this burning bush. This burning bush burned and it did not burn out. And he says, what kind of sign in this, what kind of fire is this, in which the burning bush does not burn out? He says, Moses, you must be like this burning bush. You must be humbled in such a way. You must be in such a likeness of me that when I clothe you in the fire of God so that it doesn't burn you, but so that you can burn and shine so that I can speak and use you as my instrument. It was in the atmosphere of consuming fire that Israel first saw God on top of Mount Sinai. Exodus 24, 16-17, we are talking about how God was present or where God was present in the form of fire. Exodus 24, 16-17, Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day He called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Obviously, consuming fire can come only from the One who is this fire, according to His original nature. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a zealous God. Thus, in the revelation of His name Fire, God wanted to show Israel the nature of His consuming zeal. Songs of Solomon 8:6. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. In other words, fire is one of the marvelous names of the heavenly Father that is covered in darkness and in covered in the unknown. Whereas baptism in fire is a definition and purposeful action that God performs with the powers contained. In the dignity of this name. Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 14, it says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. This is it, the fiery stream. This is not baptism in fire, or this is not water baptism. This is baptism in fire and water baptism. We do not touch the fiery stream. All those who are baptized in water, they will stand on the sea that is mixed with fire. But here in Daniel, it is written about the fiery stream. It is that stream that God has prepared for those saints that have built themselves into an altar burn, and the sacrifice of, as a burnt offering that this fiery stream can separate the foolish from the wise from the spiritual from the carnal considering who God is according to his nature the prophet Isaiah asks a legitimate question who among us shall dwell with a devouring fire and everlasting burnings Isaiah 33 verses 14 through 16 says the sinners in Zion were are afraid Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites, and the question is posed, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire, who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? And to be clothed in the strength, giving us the ability to practice righteousness, we need to be clothed in the powers that are contained in all three baptisms, first water, Holy Spirit, and only then, baptism and fire. So all three baptisms are very important to live among the devouring flame. When pastor has, uh, has spoken to me he said always offer and don't you're not preaching about three baptisms this is one baptism this is one covenant this is one will this is one god because when you say that there is one two three we say give me the first one please and then the two and three they bring me fear and i don't need these no i come to water baptism first that this water is transformed into a river the fiery stream fiery river that can sanctify me before God and to separate me from all that is impure. Being in the flesh as the Son of Man, Jesus experienced baptism of the Holy Spirit after being baptized in water in which John the Baptist baptized him. Thus, baptism in the Holy Spirit opened the possibility for him to be baptized by fire. Regarding this, he once addressed his disciples and said, Matthew chapter 20, verses 22 through 23. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and baptize with the baptism that I am baptized with? He begins to uncover to his disciples the essence of the fiery stream, and they say to him, We are able. And so he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am Baptist, baptized with. From these words of Christ it follows that before we can be clothed in the powers that are contained in baptism and fire, which... Christ had strongly desired to bring onto the earth, we must drink the cup that Christ drank so that we could be clothed in baptism in fire. Jesus certainly knew all about the contents of this cup. He knew that in this cup the perfect will of the Father was expressed, which demanded the loss of himself in the dissolution of himself in this will. So that cup that God had offered him in Gethsemane, he knew that in it was Cain, the full loss of himself, not my will, but yours be done, he said, in the full dissolution with God the Father. So it is impossible to fully uh, mix with God the Father if, if we are just immersed in water baptism. We have just separated from the world, that's it. My thoughts, my words, my actions are like the devil's. But at least I know that my spirit is born of God and this already brings me joy. But when I am going to be baptized in fire and when the fiery stream passes along, then I will be able to say that it is no longer I but Christ in me. I have been fully healed and been clothed in fire baptism and been clothed in the powers of the Father and been dissolved in God. So Gogotha is the wonderful example about how Christ was dissolved in his Father. and when he stood before the need to take this cup he shuddered and began to grieve and be terrified what is this cup that can tear out from the mouth of the son of man the cry of despair matthew 26 oh my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not as i will but as you will he didn't say this when he was baptized in water he didn't say this john the baptism baptist said you come to me, Son of God, to be baptized by me. He says, "Allow me to do this. This is needed to fulfill all righteousness." And when he approached baptism in fire, he began to be sh- to shudder and say, "Lord, if you have another cup, let it pass. From, let this one pass from me." But not as I will, but as you will. This is how we ought to fulfill all righteousness. The acceptance of this cup had required the agreement of the full giving of our life the full surrender of life when we approach fire baptism we will have we will no longer be slaves of sin how do we define fire baptism because it is impossible to be baptized in fire by being slaves of sin when we approach fire baptism our will is going to be fully freed from slavery to sin and we will fully give ourselves up so that we could fully be dissolved with our god in jesus christ as christ had done and christ had made this decision The commandment of, of the commandment that God received, that Jesus received from the Father, allowed him to fully and voluntarily make the informed choice to accept or reject the perfect will of the Father. I will read it again. Yet the sovereign right and authority of the voluntary informed choice to accept or reject the perfect will of the Father and he made this choice John 10 17 through 18 therefore I lay down my life that I may take it again no one takes it from me but I lay it down of myself I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again this command I have received from my father the so is present evident the power of resurrection the father gave him a commandment son you have the authority to give up your life and you have the commandment to once again in three days to take it back and this commandment i pass along to you and he accepted this commandment and he with this commandment went down into hell he gave his life because the father said you will take it back but you must give it with a free will. I can ask you of this. All that I want, I will write and tell you through the Prophets. Open, find, read, agree. Do make the decision for my benefit. And he did this. He was born in Bethlehem. He came to Nazarene and He made the decision that He is the one of whom this is written about here. And they say, oh, it turns out this is you who must come, the Messiah. A wonderful time to kill you. They took Him and they went to the height of the mountain upon which the city was built to throw Him down from there. But He went past from them. The acceptance of this cup was first called to unveil the relationship of the Son with the Father and show the depth and absoluteness of His obedience to the perfect will of the Father, and to be witness of the full readiness to fulfill all the requirements of this burnt sacrifice for offering Himself to God as a sweet incense. So, if you are asked, this cup, what is this cup, is to show the depth and the absoluteness of our obedience to the perfect will of God throughout all of scripture if a burnt sacrifice met the requirements of a sweet smelling aroma expressed in total dedication and total sanctification produced in accordance with established commandments then the fire of God came upon it so if it coincided to the requirements of a sacrifice, then the fire of God descended upon it. If we do not look like a burnt sacrifice, the fire will not be descended upon us, and we will not be baptized in fire. To be baptized in fire, it is necessary to coincide to this, all con- to this sacrifice. And the of, descension of such a fire referred to the baptism in fire, in which a person was clothed in the powers of the Heavenly Father by having gone through fire baptism in which the son of god was clothed in the powers of his father he could say i am alive forevermore and amen i have the keys of hades and of death this authority is needed that the power of death in the face of the old man could be cast out from our body from what kind of a body from the body of that christian who with christ could say i am given all authority in heaven and on earth, in the subject of my spirit, soul, and body. And in Christ we have this power, and we have the keys of Hades and of death, and therefore let the power of death be overthrown cast out from my body. Christ had said this when He had endured baptism in water, Holy Spirit, and fire. This is not just to wait. You will say, look at the clock. Well, when will this come? I am, I am impatient. How much longer should I wait? Friends, we need to prepare ourselves and to make ourselves a sacrifice, a sacrifice that is ready, ready to be a a burnt sacrifice. And so for us to accept the cup that we must drink from in order to receive the ability to be clothed in the powers that are contained in fire baptism like Christ, total dedication and total sanctification must be present. However, the shameful cross, agony of total mortal torment, complete loneliness and abandonment by the Father will be absent. Because the shameful cross, the agony of mortal torment, complete loneliness and abandonment by the Father was our natural state before our conversion to God. And this is what Christ endured when He drank His cup. We are not going to drink from this cup, that's why it's very important when we go, uh, we accept water baptism. We baptize the righteous when we accept baptism of holy spirit we accept it as those that are righteous when we're baptized in fire god baptizes those that are righteous and the righteous will not endure that agony that christ had endured that loneliness and that deathly mortal torment that christ had felt on the cross there's going to be a completely different portion if christ suffered for our sin then we suffer for the truth if christ on the cross spoke and said father Why have you covered your face from Me? And after these words, He died from the breaking of the heart. He says, I can't do this anymore, take My Spirit. And He died. The cross did not kill Him. He could have lived a few days on the cross. Slaves on the cross, they had lived several days on the cross. The cross did not kill Him, but the cross was the weapon against death. He had died from the breaking of His heart. And when uh, the spear crushed His rib, then from this rib was water this means that a person had endured a great shock and a breaking of the heart he died on the cross but the cross did not kill him we are a living sacrifice we die every day but we continue to live to live in the flesh because as we read shameful cross agony mortal torment complete lo- loneliness and abandonment to take us out from this torment of death the son of god on the shameful cross exchanged with us his nature and took upon himself the nature of our sin while clothing us in his holiness that's why when christ said my god why have you forsaken me we say lord thank you father that in these events I had never felt this kind of closeness to you when everything is going against me, yet I feel the closeness of the Heavenly Father because Christ had exchanged it for us on the cross, and that which we endure today, that which we endure in fire baptism, is that which the Son of God had to endure, but that which He endured on the cross 2,000 years ago is that which each of us had to endure, but the Lord had exchanged fates, and He said, I will endure what you had to endure, but you will endure the sweetness of relationship with the Father, which I had to, which I was called to endure, but we have exchanged fates. And the trials that we will endure is neither the cup nor the baptism, but the ability to be cleansed from of every foreign impurity and the ability to be affirmed in God. Approaching... The baptism we must already be cleansed and sanctified because entrance into the inheritance that is contained in the powers of baptism is not washing ourselves of carnal impurity but a seal of the righteousness that already exists in us so the cup is not a test the cup demonstrates before God the state of our heart the state of contrition and when God sees this cup that is filled with this character of Christ then he is going to send the fire of God upon it and therefore the acceptance of the cup is the acceptance of total dedica- dedication and sanctification so that we can present ourselves as a burning sacrifice to God in order to be a sweet smelling aroma and baptism in fire on one hand is God's acceptance of our total dedication and on the other hand our coronation in Christ for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt Mark 9:49 to be seasoned with fire means to be separated by fire. God separates through fire. He separates the pure and He makes it holy. God seasons us so that we can become holy through His holy fire. Who? Holy. Holy person. A pure person. A righteous. He, through His fire, separates so that we can become holy in such a way. And this He does through baptism and fire. And baptism and fire will not happen until we have this kind of a cup and we are drawing closer and closer to understand what kind of cup this is which Christ was horrified by this is the cup that we had to drink he says I will give you another cup because this cup that I drink he had made me sin that cup that you will drink it is going to make you righteous and when Jesus God sees you as righteous he will send his fire from heaven upon you. To be seasoned with fire means to be separated by fire. And as we know, the process of sanctification and dedication itself will be met with great trials of great waters. As it is written, many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. So our love is going to be verified by these great waters. He had allowed waters from him in order to endure him but many waters cannot quench love and he will send waters when he sees that the church of god has approached the moment when it is going to in its majority the chosen remnant of god be ready for rapture and will be baptized in fire baptized by the fire of god and the holy spirit and water in this case our dedication to be a burnt burning sacrifice that is called to attract the favor of god in the fire descending upon the sacrifice is the result of our love toward god and his perfect will and the great waters is a challenge to this love from the organized powers of darkness that tried to diminish the fire of this love toward god in the face of the world that lies in evil our own flesh wicked people and demonic influence that inspires these evil powers. Apostle Paul, expressing the idea about the acceptance of the cup, says that it is God who allows the organized powers of darkness to resist and challenge our readiness to drink the cup offered by Him for one purpose, to affirm us in the acceptance of this cup so that we can be made unshakable. Hebrews 12.26 says, But now He has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also
1: Heaven.
0: Thus, to be clothed in fire baptism, to be immersed in fire baptism, to be separated through fire baptism, or to be partaking to God and His throne through fire baptism means to draw the favor of God upon ourselves. Take a look At how many semantics are contained in fire baptism. If we were asked, out of what you have read, what is fire baptism? This is to be immersed, to be separated, to be partaking to, to God and His throne. And this occurs when we turn upon ourselves the favor of God. Isaiah 66, 2. But on this one will I look, on him who is born of a contrite spirit, who trembles at my word, The verb to look means to immerse in fire, separate by fire, clothe by fire. Each time the Lord looked, he liked the sacrifice that we brought. For example, when Abel had brought, he gave his answer in the form of fire. What is an answer in the form of fire? This means that you, I, we satisfy God as burnt sacrifice and when he sees that we coincide to the sacrifice he baptizes us in fire or he accepts our sanctification and dedication so that fire that comes or clothes us in fire baptism is god's answer that i have accepted you i have united with you we together have become one in the son of god only contrite spirit can result in a sweet smelling aroma when it touches fire, and when the fire descends, and scripture says there is going to be, there are many churches around us, surrounding chul, uh, churches that are going to uh, burn. Scripture says that before the saints begin to shine in my kingdom, I first will bind into tears. Or bind into sheaves the tares and then will burn will burn them and only then will I glorify the Saints that they can shine in my kingdom we will see this burning Some so-called Saints that lost their name and their holiness are going to uh, be transformed into the wicked and burn and others are going to produce this kind of sweet-smelling aroma and only in such contrition, we can comprehend the powers contained in fire baptism and acknowledge the goodness that is found in it. Interesting, I have noted for myself that only in this kind of contrition, contrition until I have this kind of contrition, in for me, this remains just an interesting, a very enticing wise truth in the sermon of our pastor, that is written on the white page. They are found here. But when we come to the state of contrition, only then we will be able to understand the powers or when we fill our, fill the cup of God with this aroma. This finely crushed incense in the golden censer began to produce incense only at that moment when coals were poured into the golden censer from the altar of burnt offerings. In scripture, such contrition leads a person's spirit to a state of poverty which practically becomes the food for the fire in the sermon on the mount this is when christ had descended upon the mountain and when he sat and the disciples knew that in that time that the disciples when they he would go up and sit he was going to preach because he always preached sitting down he never uh, preached standing on stage or dancing around he went up on the mountain and when he sat the disciples came and sat and he began to speak to them and teaching them the words of God. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke about the properties of contrition, or rather the poverty of the human spirit as a certain condition that could give God the opportunity to address his favor to man expressed in the powers of fire baptism. A contrite spirit according to the words of Christ is a poor spirit that draws fire upon itself and becomes food for the fire, or rather becomes the owner of the Kingdom of Heaven. And so, we will take a look at certain components, out of which are comprised the cup, and we will define, we will define this cup that was offered to us, have we drank from it, and we will define it from those characteristics that are called to be in this cup, so those characteristics of the sweet aroma that were found in the censer, and when the coals from the from the hot altar were poured on, poured on it, it began to produce incense. Therefore, fire baptism is when God wants to feel this aroma, the incense and the aroma from His holy people. And when He feels this aroma, He senses it in heaven. Then He will give the Holy Spirit the command and the Son of God to raise the dead and to... Uh, to renew the bodies of the living. And let's look at this cup, if we have this cup, and as we've understood, the cup of Christ and our cup differs, because when Christ had drank from the cup, whose cup did He drink? He drank our cup. That which He had endured is that which we had to endure. And He says, let's exchange fates. I will take all that is meant for you, and I give to you mine. I give you my cup. Lord, there are my sins and there are transgressions. He says, no, there is my character in it. And I will drink all that was meant for you. If I drink all that is meant for you and exchange faiths, I will become sin, I will become wicked. And in me will be kept faith in the heart that I have the authority to give up my life and then to take it again. The small seed that devil did not see under the microscope they with great joy had accepted Christ and they didn't notice that deep, deep, deep inside the Spirit there was a small faith. The Father gave him the commandment, if you give up your life, you will receive it again. Therefore, saints, the cup of Christ that he drank is our cup. That which he endured we are called to endure. We today drink his cup. We take his character upon us, and on the cross in fire baptism, we endure great awe. The acceptance of God, the fire of God comes upon us upon the sacrifice, and I am accepted by God. Christ knew when the fire came upon him that he was rejected by the Father. And here, Pastor interestingly shows the difference. We are can see this in different sermons we will talk about it today the difference between our cross and the cross of christ christ said take up your cross and follow after me because my cross differs from your cross i have died for your sins but you suffer for my truth i have lost a relationship with my father but you gain a relationship with the father i will try to reconcile on the cross and you will try to help me in that which i which can be done in the church to separate the pure from unpure, the foolish from the wise, because all that I can do is that I can gather everyone in the church, all those that are called, help me with your holiness through baptism to separate this, because without you I can't do this. I need saints, saints who are going to be baptized in fire so that I can see, here's one who is holy, here's one who is lawless. Angel said, let us take out all these tares. He says, no, only when the, when the saints will shine, then we will gather all the, all the sheaves and the tares. So let us look at the components of the cup that differs. And he, he says, here is the cup, here is my cup, drink from it. And we are defining when we drink it, what contents we begin to have. And when we drink of this cup, then God's fire will come upon us. And so the first component of the cup that is written about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, this is the Sermon on the Mount. The component of the cup preparing us for baptism and fire is the price for having a poor spirit. Matthew 5.3 Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poverty of the spirit, on one hand, is the result of death to sin or complete freedom from sin. And on the other hand, it is the result of complete dependence on dedication to God. I am fully dependent on God and not dependent on sin. These are two sides of one coin. It is not enough to just say, Lord, I completely depend on you. He says, you will fully depend on me when you are fully independent from sin. And when I see that you have a will and I ask you and I show you this cup, are you going to be able to accept it? And you will say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Now I want to unite with you into one. And God will never begin to unite with us until our will is freed from slavery to sin. We cannot be slaves to sin. When we are not slaves to sin, then the Lord will offer us to be betrothed. And we will give an agreement to this, to unite and become one with Him. The second component of the cup to prepare us to... For baptism in fire is the ability to express our cries before God in mourning. We are continuing to talk about what God said on the Sermon on the Mount. He showed us the components of His cup which He passed on to us, and we passed on to Him our cup with our sins and our transgressions. He drank our cup and passed along through the Sermon on the Mount His cup. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. According to these words, these are not tears of self-pity or resentment and defeat. They are tears of tenderness and sorrow, tears of supplication and compassion, followed by consolation or peace. Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 9. Who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. These kinds of supplications expressed in tears is the desire and readiness to accept the fate from God in the cup which contains our glory in Christ and our calling in Christ Cries or tears with reverence. We ought to be reverent before God. And when we have reverence, our calling will be uncovered in God. And oftentimes when prophets, when one of the prophets had saw the book written from the one who sat on the throne of God the Father, and he saw that there is no one who could uncover this book, John saw that no one could cover it. He saw that no one Could unseal the fullness of salvation for man. Only for the spirit. Well, what about the soul, the dead that is dead, that is dying? What about the decaying body? How can it be adopted? And one of the elders said, Don't cry. This can only be done by one. Here is the line from the tribe of Judah, and he saw the lamb pierced Jesus Christ. He is going to be able to uncover this book he and his death in water baptism holy spirit and fire for the saints will be able to uncover that fate which god had passed along to them he had tears of reverence he had strongly desired that this promise be uncovered The third component of the cup to prepare us to fire baptism is being clothed in meekness that coincides with the Spirit of Christ. Matthew 5, 5 Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. To inherit the earth is to enter into the inheritance that is contained in the reigning teaching of Christ in the adoption of our body. A meek spirit is the Spirit of Christ that is ready and able to accept His calling in the cup of the Lord expressed in his total sanctification and dedication. A meek spirit, look where it is found, it is found in this cup. In meekness is the state expressed in a tongue that is bridled by mutual efforts with the power of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs fifteen four, A meek tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. If a person is not taught meekness and how to bridle his lips that he can please God, he will never be able to understand and accept the cup offered to him, which contains the perfect will of the Father, expressed in total sanctification and dedication. Here is total sanctification and dedication, is expressed in a meek spirit. And a meek spirit expresses itself in meek lips. And when we have meek lips, this is talking about a meek spirit, and this means that our cup is filled with the character of Christ, with the Spirit of Christ and His meekness. And we are ready in order to be baptized by fire. The fourth component of the cup preparing us for baptism in fire is hunger and thirst for righteousness. And again, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5:6, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled This means that the food for this person is the fulfillment of the perfect will of the Father. And so for every person who comes to God, the acceptance of the cup is the acceptance and readiness to fulfill the perfect will of the Father. Just as baptism in the Holy Spirit was given to only those who desired it, he who thirsts, come to me and drink, Jesus said. If we... A desire, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, and the Lord gives us this baptism. It is also necessary to have a desire to be baptized in fire. In order to have this desire, it is necessary to at least understand uh, for our we need to be shown the menu. How in churches can preachers say, Why don't you have any desire? Listen, why are you yelling? Can you explain to people what the cup is? Can you show the powers and the beauty that is found in it? Can you show us the menu to interest us so that we have this desire and to not tell us that if you don't do this, you are going to go to hell like the Baptists do? Liars. These are only people that have been scared. This is not so. Desire isn't the fear that he is going to go to hell because he doesn't speak in tongues and we try to affirm our salvation through tongues. This doesn't make us righteous, the powers of the tongue are not given us for this purpose. We must, in the word of God, to see something that will allow us to dedicate ourselves fully to God, to separate us from something, be sanctified, and to dedicate ourselves to something. This means to give ourselves to God. When this kind of meaningful hunger and thirst and zeal to be baptized in fire comes in our heart, the same hunger and zeal that we had to endure baptism in the Holy Spirit, this will mean that we have accepted the cup and brought ourselves to a state of readiness to be a burnt sacrifice, which will allow the Holy Spirit to clothe us in fire and immerse us into the Father, thanks to which we will encounter the powers contained in baptism in fire. The first component of the cup preparing us for baptism in fire that was presented on the Sermon on the Mount is the ability to have mercy mercy upon those whom God has mercy upon. Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We need to understand that the mercy of God coming from the love of God, agape, is selective. These are the contents of the cup that that we will need to drink from in order to give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to clothe us in the fire of the Heavenly Father. So we need to select the holy selective love of God, agape. If a person has tolerant love, then This kind of a person has nothing in relation to baptism in fire and baptism in the Holy Spirit. It is baptism in the Holy Spirit that puts a period on tolerance. Tolerance is when we legalize sin. As we had read yesterday, the labors of pastor during the marital ceremony, that he offers saints, husband and wife, man and woman, to a compromise. A marriage is a compromise, but a compromise is when we... Find the points of contention that do not. If we find these points of contention, we husband and wife find a compromise. But tolerance has no points of contention. They just it just acknowledges that drinking can be fine. That all the distortions in scripture can be legalized, and we love everyone. When. We go to a church, I don't know if they are Lutheran nearby, there are all kinds of flags, except for the Christian flag, different colors, and it says, we love all. First, there's the black, then the rainbow colors, and then all the white and all the other colors. How can you love everyone? You love that which God despises. I'm not talking about race. God. It's when we love the when we love black more than white, but we won't touch this as a certain harvest for the white people. That which today is uh, the white people are reaping this is that which they had sown before. But we are the white who had never acted towards the black in such a in such a manner. So and so when black people come and they hear our accent, they ask, "Oh, you've come from there?" They know that we are not those who had held their grandparents and fathers in slavery and they know that we are very friendly in our country, there are all kinds of shades and everything present. And we always lived in peace. For for some reason, we find peace with the black, but two brothers, Ukrainian and Russians, they can't find peace. But this is not in the notes or the labors of our pastor, so let's move forward. And if for today God spares the vessels of anger, then this is not a manifestation of His mercy in relation to the vessels of anger, but a manifestation of His power and might, with which He observes the law of sowing and reaping. So God has mercy, Romans 9 22 24. What if God, wanting to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction? And that He might make known the riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy which He had prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom He called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Thus, our mercy should only be directed to the vessels of mercy, and if our mercy is directed to the vessels of anger, who are enemies of His will and do not honor His grace, this mercy will be seen as evil and resistance to God. To accept the cup is to prepare ourselves to fulfill the perfect will of the Father. This means to be a light to the just and the unjust and pour out as rain on the just and on the unjust. Job 37 verses 11 through 13. Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds. Sometimes people say, well, God sends his rain on the just and the unjust and the sun rises for some and the others. Take a look. At how God sends this rain, one in the same cloud. But He sends it for different purposes. They swirl about to being turned by His guidance that they may do whatever He commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come whether for correction or for His land or for mercy. What does He command them to go and do? One in the same cloud. And this is for correction or for mercy. So, to punish the wicked and the lawless, to have mercy on the repenting sinners, and to show mercy and grace to the saints, to bless them and to pray for them. If we are not familiar with this position or worse, we do not agree with this position. This means that we have drink from another cup that we accepted from the hands of the great harlot called Babylon, who portrays herself as the bride of the Lamb. a tolerant love are those so-called saints who drink from the cup that is offered by the harlot called Babylon. The sixth component of the cup to prepare us for baptism and fire is the payment for the price of having a pure heart. Matthew 5, 8. Jesus continues to preach in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A pure heart is a heart that is free from resentment, suspicion, arrogance, and haughtiness, which means that it is free from all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In other words, a pure heart is a good heart that is cleansed from dead works for service to the living and true God. To offer oneself as a burnt sacrifice, it is necessary to have a pure heart. So, in order for the fire of God to descend, and for us to be a burnt sacrifice, it is necessary to have a pure heart. Why did God need a burnt sacrifice? For it to be separated, for this animal to be separated, to be washed, all of its insides to be washed, why why are we going to wash it because it's going to be burned no we have to wash it its feet all its insides all its all, everything that was inside everything was washed in water because the fire of god will not descend if it is not going to be purified by the word of god therefore a pure heart what pure heart who is going to cleanse it for me we need to completely divide it uncover it to take its heart to take it wash it and then to place it on the altar. Who will do this? Pastor Arkadi. No, he will not do this. Here, here is his work where it ends. This is the great labor. This is the great labor. This is the labor of the Holy Spirit that has been passed along for thousands of years. And we have been given this labor. And now we need to ask, Lord, what shall I do for me to have a pure heart? That which is here must be the contents of my heart, and for this it is necessary to cleanse my heart from all kinds of dead works, and dead works are not just evil works, which we all know about. These are also good works that look very correct, look very very nice, but the initiator of these is not God. We must cleanse ourselves from all of this, and this is possible. Only we begin to cooperate with the Word of God. Matthew chapter 12 verses 33 through 37 brood of vipers how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak of a person wants to from an evil heart, Take out the good works, these are idle words. He says, You are either speaking evil because you have an evil heart or speaking good. But when a person's heart is evil, and he says, I love you, I'm glad to see you. But inside he says, How I hate you, how I despise you. He says, of vipers, vipers, and a venomous serpent, how can you, being evil, speak good things? A good man of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And that's why we can provide a conclusion. Let's, let's, let's talk positively. No, let's first cleanse our conscience from dead works. Fully cleanse our conscience from dead works so that we can take out from our hearts the precious truths. Let us first cleanse ourselves lay the reigning teaching of Christ there, and then we will begin to bless the inheritance of God in order to condemn uncleanliness and evil. Returning to the Sermon on the Mount, the seventh component of the cup preparing us for baptism and fire is the ability to practice the peace of Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. A person who practices peace is a person who does not accept the reproaches against his neighbor, does not walk like an earpiece among the people of God, and does not reveal the secrets of his neighbor. When a person begins to pass along, uh, we should not walk as a, as a headpiece or as an earpiece among the people of God and to spread things that are not true. For a perverse man so strife, and a whisper separates the best of friends. So if we want to be baptized in fire this quality must not be present in us we must have the quality of the ability to practice the peace of christ the eighth component of the cup preparing us for baptism and fire the final one is the ability to feel bliss when being persecuted for righteousness' sake so christ had died for our sin we are persecuted for the righteousness of god he this He said, let's do this. On the cross, we will change fates. I take my cup. I drink of your sins and your transgressions. You take my cup. When I drink your cup, I will lose my father. When you drink my my cup, you and this fire of God are going to be a burnt sacrifice, and I'm going to be a sacrifice for sin. God will turn away from me and turn to you. The eighth component of the cup preparing us for baptism in fire is the ability to feel bliss while being persecuted for righteousness' sake, Matthew 5:10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's look at in practice what the apostles had shown. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. For his name. And Philippians chapter 1, verses 28 through 29. And not any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. At this word we will conclude and right now I repeat after Pastor Arkadi, I want to say that we are waiting each for each holy person upon this altar, each holy saint who wants to be delivered from his sin, dependence on sin, from slavery to sin, because we today heard a very important component, a very important component that in order to endure fire baptism it is necessary for us to not be slaves to sin. And in order to finally live without sin, to finally, we've been tired, we've been tired from these thoughts, these sins, these desires, we've grown tired of it, not for this. When we accept, we receive this kind of state, the Father will ask, do you want to be united with me? Do you want to become one with me? And we say, I want to, Lord. But there are certain steps to this question. And these steps is to leave our sin, to repent of our sins, to judge it, and to proclaim our justification together with the church and our redemption and salvation. We will wait for you upon this place at this altar, and then we will pray together with one prayer. I will pray with our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you he is not against you he has loved us with an everlasting love he has given us the work of his redemption he has stood between us and our enemies in order to protect us and to lift us up to his level your eyes closed as an element of the secret room and your hands raised to the heavens this is a sign that we do not have anger nor doubt in God release pray along with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you and upon this holy place in the congregation of your holy people I uncover my heart that you can see my pain my suffering my wound that has been brought upon by sin and lust which I despise and which I reject I come to you with my illness my fears with the wounded honor a dignity that has been tarnished and I ask you to forgive me wash me cleanse me heal my wound restore me and protect me by the blood of your son and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that according to your word I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored. I am justified. I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and transgressions in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He come down upon you with His holy countenance and have mercy upon you and give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands and not draw near you. May all the blessings of the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May with the noise be cast out from your body the power of death, and in its place may the power of life be raised in resurrection. May all this come upon you and upon all of your descendants in the name of Jesus Christ, and may all the people say amen. While you were sitting, I would like to call out our sister, Jeanette Federer. Please, if you are here today, come out. She is coming. And she wanted to express a desire to become a member of the church. So she came from Germany. And she was born in our division. She was in the service of our sister Rosa. And she's been in our church for six months which is enough time and she said I am ready and have made the decision although I was born in this church but I need to acknowledge the order as Christ had said this is how all righteousness ought to be fulfilled we need to fulfill all righteousness therefore please raise your right hand the symbol of your righteous act and we are going to bless her dear Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we thank you for this holy saint who had today expressed a desire to stand among the ranks of your holy people and to stand in your order and to acknowledge that order that is found in your body. And today she becomes under your banner, in your order, in order to unite with your Zion, unite with your truth, in order to know you and to serve you. And we accept her and we bless her. And we ask you, Lord, may she be a blessing for you and to all of your people. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, and we will conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.